God, we thank you on this day when we're celebrating mothers that, Lord, you had that plan in place from the beginning. God, that you had the idea of a nurturer and um, someone who would love unconditionally, God, and that, that you displayed that so well through mothers of, of so many people. And God, today I pray that, that you would just bless us in our efforts to bless you, Lord, as we thank you for all that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Perry says, no matter what happens, there will always be someone who knew it would. And we pray it's a great one for all of you. And uh, same for all of those of you on live stream. Welcome to uh, the way you're joining us today. Hey, let me ask you a question. How many of you have had mothers? <laughs> Almost everyone, just about. Very close to it, right? And so uh, whatever our memories are, uh, whatever our experiences, whatever our relationship, it's a good day to take, take some time and and I hope, with a lot of gratitude, maybe, maybe there's the need for healing there, but we, we want to place those crucial, important, wonderful relationships before God. Before we do take some time to, to pray for moms and give thanks for them, uh, let's take a look at a short video that might be a prompt for our gratitude. Box for you to sign for? Great, just put it right there. What uh what is it you guys do? You don't know? Uh, know what? Of course you don't know. I guess that's the point of all this. I'm sorry, you you lost me. We monitor and collect every unnoticed service, sacrifice, or deed that moms do for their families. Oh, please. Melissa Richardson from Franklin, Ohio, just cleaned Sam and Charlie's room. Neither will notice. What, that just happened? Uh, four minutes ago. Where did she get that information? Well, I'm not really allowed to say, but you know, here and there. Okay. <laughs> Here comes another one. Ah. Sarah Pfeiffer from Long Beach, California just made her 100th lunch in a row without a thank you, Mom. Haley oh. Cobb from Jefferson, Texas just did her daughter's forgotten chore milking the goat. Gross. And last but not least, Jennifer Wright cleaned the whole house, top to bottom, and her husband didn't notice. Oh, and we have video. You have video? Check it out. Hey, babe. Hey. How was your day? Pretty busy. Oh, yeah? What do you think? What do I think about what? Hang on, I gotta get this. McGuire! <laughs> hey, babe. <laughs> he didn't even notice. So, do you do this for dads as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just It's just a smaller division. Dads don't do good things for their kids? Oh, no, 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 no. They do lots of good things. It's just moms do an exorbitant amount of unnoticed things. So, how many people do what you do? Well, this office has three shifts, eight hours of shifts, so three of us. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's it. So you probably run into a lot of unnoticed acts. And that's just this office. 
There are over 5,000 offices worldwide doing exactly what we do. They just keep coming in today. <laughs> Treated and bandaged to skin knee. We see this one a lot. It's unbelievable. I wonder if any of my moms are in there. What's your full name? Akron Lanier Watts. A-K-R-O-N? Wow, looks like your mom's got a lot in there. Really? Yeah, typical stuff. Doing lots of laundry, cooking, cleaning. And your mom worked part-time. She did. Well, it looks like. Wow. What? Your mom also prayed for you. She prayed for me. A lot. Oh. Looks like you picked a good mom. Yeah, yeah, I picked it. And Father, today we, we do thank you for mothers, and we ask that you'd, by your Spirit, uh, remind us to notice them, uh, whether it be in memory for those we've lost, or those we may be with today, or those that we wish we could but are not. We thank you, Lord, for this gift, the gift of life that came through these, these moms, and we thank you for the ways that uh, so many of them expressed much of who you are, Lord, with their love, their care, their patience, perseverance. And uh, Lord, we, we ask that, um, that they be blessed this day and honored by their families. Uh, Lord, we, we also lift up those who have some struggle today because they've lost their moms, they miss their mothers. We pray for those who um, are in relationships that, that are difficult right now. Lord, we lift up to you for, for healing, for peace, those where that relationship was very, very broken, even abusive. And, and Lord, we lift up um, all the many, many people who have been functional spiritual moms in our lives, some, some of whom even grieve because they never had their own children Oh, bless and comfort them, Lord. But we thank you for the influence that, that these women have had on countless lives. And uh, Lord, we uh, again thank you for the reflection that, that uh, parenthood and motherhood is of, of your amazing love. And uh, we pray this all today in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Hey, just a few uh, announcements, a few opportunities. First of all, uh, for you women, all women, there's gifts right at the back by the little table that has some flowers there, uh, right behind Diana there. And uh, now, now, Rob, you're not allowed to take anything. Come on, get your hands off that. <laughs> He's about to grab a gift. But uh, it's just all, a variety of things. I, I think we probably need to say, Doris, what, one per, per lady? Yeah. yeah, right, so don't rush back and grab them all. But a variety of things, just small little gifts expressing our gratitude and 
and love for you. You can pick those up afterwards, or if you want to get first choice, just rush back there right now. Um, and then uh, we have the connection card, and we want to get back into the habit of just letting, encourage you to uh, put this in the offering box with, you know, letting us know you're here, but then also um, any, any prayers, any ways you're praising God, any words of encouragement or questions or whatever it might be. So you'll find that in the chairs in front of you. And then, hey, I'm really eager for this. On May 23rd, we have what's, and you see the card, I think there should be some around, or you've maybe seen this in the past. We're calling it the Road to Relaunch. Just the leadership team will be sharing their sense of God's leading for the future of Grace Covenant Church. And obviously that includes the coming of a new pastor, but but uh, they really see God continuing to build momentum even before a new pastor comes. And so uh, several members of the leadership team will be sharing that uh, on the 23rd. And then, and then after the late service, a barbecue. So I hope you all come back for that. And uh, we're just asking that uh, you bring a side dish or a dessert. And the meat and so on will be provided uh, by the leadership team. And then would you take a look at a wonderful and important video, one more video. delicious and good for you. Uh, no, we're actually going to be laying down cardboard in order to put dirt over the top and build kind of what's uh, two different words for it that can be called a lasagna garden and also uh, we're actually using a technique that was uh, called back to Eden garden where you take the soil and you actually build up. So we're really excited to create a new beautiful garden bed for Grace Covenant in our south side of our north worship building so uh, we're on the 15th we're planning a big garden day and we would love everyone's help to get that soil laid down on top of the cardboard we're planning on uh, tracking down more of it and you've got to get all the stickers off and get it fully ready to go but we love to have your help and have you join us take care Let's stand to our feet. I was blind, now I'm seeing in color. I was dead, now I'm living forever. I had failed, but you were my redeemer. been changed from a ruin to treasure. I've been given a hope and a future. I've been blessed beyond all measure. I am counting every blessing, counting
My heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend. So I'll run to your father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, again and again and again and again. Yeah. 
left for us, Lord. We just thank you for your presence here today. Lord, we ask that as your word is delivered, that our hearts, our minds, and our ears will be open to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this morning, I would like to invite one of the best mothers I know to come and join me. We're going to do a shared sermon. This is, um, we're going to sit down because yes. then our height difference is not quite as, as great. Because plus, I have, I have no legs. Plus, when I go on and on and on, she'll be more comfortable. So this is my wife, Darlene, yes. best friend, life partner. What should they know about you? Well, um, I have been married almost 49 years, if you can believe that. I can't. Um, they have three children, seven grandchildren, and those of you who may have family far distant places, don't be too jealous, but they all live really close. Our son and his wife and two kids live the farthest away, and it's a three-minute drive. So <laughs> we are with them a lot, and it's, it's delightful. I was on staff at Centennial Covenant Church with Steve for 28 years as children's pastor. It was so much fun to work together. And so we're just thrilled to be able to, to be here together for the season and to do this today. We have, I have not shared with him like this for a couple years, so this is good. Yeah. But um, would you just pray with me as we go into this time? So Jesus, thank you so much for your presence here. Truly, you are enough to meet all of our needs. You are enough because you know everything in our hearts, in our minds, the things that are troubling us, the things that we can rejoice in. Would you, Lord, now just really help us to see you, to hear you through Steve and I, and not what we have to say on our own. We thank you for this time. In your name, amen. Amen. Hey, in the Bible, would you find the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 1? And today we're going to talk about a few different women on a particular family tree. It's the family tree of Jesus. So if you look at Matthew 1, now this, this is not a passage that most of us tend to memorize, I'm guessing. It, uh, it starts out by saying, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, and then comes all the list of names. So-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. Now, have, have you ever, you know, the Bible has a lot of these lists, in the Old Testament especially, but have, have you ever wondered why? why we have all these names. Um, Leslie is saying no. Uh, some of you may have the answers, but uh, for one thing, it gives you a few name ideas. I mean, if you're, I mean, I've often thought like, uh, you know, if anybody in your family's about to have a baby, uh, a man of dab, you could call him little Dabby or Jehoshaphat, little Hoshi or something like that. Um, I don't know if those will go over too well. But uh, what is it about, darling? You know. Well, it, yes, I don't, I'm not absolutely sure about all these genealogies. However, I think part of it is that the Bible is not just, <clears throat> excuse me, a, um, a list of ideas. It's history. God's given us his history, and he's showing us that he wants, he's entered into our story, and he wants us to join him. So God has a story of healing this wonderful creation that he made so good that, that we've really broken up badly. And at heart of it is that he was planting this nation called Israel to be a blessing to all of the world. And then from that genealogy line that we're looking at today, 
He was raising up Jesus to be the reconciler, to be the restoration to our broken world. You look at verse 17 here and you, you really see the, the summation of the whole thing. Thus, there were 14 generations in all. And these are really important uh, names in, a, in, in an event. From David to Abraham, uh, 14 from Dave, Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Now, the, these are high points or important points, I should say, defining moments in the story of Israel. You've got Abram, who in approximately 2000 BC is uh, blessed by God, and God says, I'm going to make a whole nation. Uh, from your descendants, and that nation will be a blessing to all the nations. And then a long time goes by, and you have King David showing up, and, and this seems to be at kind of the height of Israel's uh, glory, if you will. It seems to be that much of this promise is beginning to be fulfilled, and the promise is actually renewed with David. Well, then comes 600 B.C., roughly, and there's a total disruption of the promises and any kind of uh, realization, any kind of hope, when Jerusalem is completely destroyed by the Babylonians and the people are sent off to Babylon in exile. And then, and then the next most important moment is that into this disruption, but also into this promise, comes the anointed one, the, the Messiah, uh, a little boy named Yeshua. And uh, he is the anointed king, the prophet, uh, the priest, to fulfill all the promises, but also to heal all the brokenness. And so here is the good news. Jesus comes into our stories, into our potentials, both the ones that have been fulfilled, but also potentials that never were realized or that were really severely broken. He draws us into, not only does he come into our story, Jesus draws us into his story for his life and for um, his, his love and then for um, the invitation for us to join him in his eternal family. Now, as a specific example of what it is that Jesus comes to do, we're going to look at five people in that genealogy, five people. It happens to be five women. And so you can see their names there in this genealogy. Now, here's the deal. Um, for a patriarchal, male-dominated culture, like Jewish culture, uh, it's, it's unheard of that you put in the names of moms. It would always be the list of the fathers. And Matthew, in particular, is almost certainly the most Jewish of, of all the, uh, the Gospels. But uh, here you have these Five women in the family tree of Jesus, God saving the world. So let's, let's kind of walk through those really fast. So let's look at Tamar. Um, she was um, a daughter-in-law to Judah, one of the patriarchs, and um, her husband had died. Judah had not given her that his next young, his, the youngest son, for her to raise up her own family. So Tamar was just desperate to continue on her family line. And so what she did, I mean, the Bible is, you know, you just couldn't even really want to make up this stuff. It's just sometimes it's so, so strange. But she disguises herself as a prostitute, and she has a baby by her father-in-law, Judah, to continue the family line. 
Okay, then on your list, and uh, Matthew goes out of the way to kind of point out these particular women. Then you have Rahab, and you may know that she's a foreigner. She's not an Israelite. Uh, she also is a prostitute, but a kind of a full-time one, if you will. And nevertheless, she's the one who helps um, the, the Jews ultimately to take over uh, Jericho. And then Ruth, and I love Ruth. Don't you, the, the book of Ruth, it's just, it's just a neat story. Um, rather romantic, actually. And she's, um, she immigrates from Moab with her mother-in-law and um, really borderline, even accepted into the society there in Bethlehem. And yet, after marrying Boaz, becomes the great-grandmother of King David. And then you have uh, Uriah's wife. Of course, we know her as Bathsheba. And she is forced into this affair with, with King David in one of his absolute low moments. And you know, eventually they have together uh, King Solomon. Uh, you could call her an adulteress, but I think more likely it's almost like a rape. She's forced into this relationship by, by the king. And then last we have Mary, the mother of Jesus, um, who was chosen and, and righteous to, to, to bear the, the Son of God, and yet she was so misunderstood. She had conceived and was pregnant before married, a huge no-no in society, and so she has that lineage and that mm -hmm. reputation. Now just, just think about the, this little list here. Um, in this genealogy, the family tree of Jesus, all of them, all of them are what you'd call in their context second class persons, second class citizens, because they're all women uh, in, in a male dominated culture. Uh, two of them would be even below that, they're third class because they're, they're non-Israelite uh, foreigners. Uh, a refugee and an immigrant. And then two are yet lower, you could say. They're uh, two are prostitutes, one by trade, one at least one time. And then in various ways, they're all kind of victims of a male-dominated culture. And then you even look at the most honored of them all, which would be Mary, the mother of Jesus. But she gets labeled as an adulteress and uh, even as a lunatic blasphemer for having this wild story that somehow it's the Holy Spirit who uh, has produced this uh, baby that she's going to give birth to. You know, each one of these women's story is worth considering. But what's so significant about them being in this family tree um, of the Messiah is that it's an echo um, of what God is, in, is doing. He's asking us to join him. He wants humans to be um, this team with him, male and female. Um, to reign with him and, and to help with this creation that he had. He wants us to be his partners. And he wants male and female to partner together for this ministry that he's called us to. And, and you, you read this little genealogy, it's really an anticipation of what Jesus came to do. Uh, this, this, this is the, the whole point of, of our shared sermon today, really. That in, in these five little stories tucked into this genealogy, we have anticipations of Jesus and the new creation. Three things. He pulls down towers of power of men over women. He puts up bridges of restoration for women as God's image bearers and partners. And he brings healing into broken family stories. Now, you could say a lot more about what Jesus does, but definitely you read the Gospels, 
And it certainly includes that. And you, you see it. You see it in the way that Jesus treated women. All through the Gospels, he treated them with respect, inclusion, and, and, and gave them callings as his followers. You see it in the early church where you have women uh, who are prophets and evangelists and teachers, and, and even one is called an apostle. And, and then you see it uh, in this uh, radically conservative uh, Jewish Pharisee named Saul, renamed, takes on his Greek name, Paul. And, and even where in, in certain cultural contexts, he, he was respectful of that so that women were, were quiet and so on. In the same writings, he assumes, he just assumes, like 1 Corinthians, for example, that women will teach, they will prophesy. He says, now, put on a head covering, you know, it's a cultural thing, but, but they're, they're going to speak, they're going to teach in this highest of all gifts. And uh, this gets expressed pretty powerfully in a statement of the gospel in, in Galatians. And you guys, I'm having trouble advancing this slides for some reason. I'd like people to see this, uh, Galatians 3.28. Do you see that one there? Well? Okay, there we go. So in Christ, Je in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, that, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, it's not saying that there's no longer a difference between male and female, but there's not a difference in status in acceptance, in belonging, in, in calling. Uh, this is a huge uh, part of the gospel. You know, for many years, our church in, in Littleton has had a ministry with the Covenant Church, well, in other parts, too, of, of Kenya. And uh, about five, six years ago, Steve and I went and did a, um, a week-long, Steve did most of the teaching. You uh, did, too, yeah. Uh, for, for 60 leaders in from the Covenant Church in Kenya. And it was just a marvelous time. We had we went through the book, we went through the book of Ephesians and uh, spent time and as we got to chapter five, we were looking at Paul's call um, for the, the mutual submission that husbands uh, uh, love their wives, wives submit your husbands, but husbands to love your wives and to um, to lift them up. And we talked about this, that relationship in marriage, where there was an equal call to ministry within marriage. And boy, were there a lot of amens out of those 60, pe uh, 60 people, especially the women. It's like they were being affirmed that, that in Scripture they had equal um, callings from God. And so um, it, was just a lot of, it was just a lot of fun to see that come to light with them. Yeah, now there's one point in this conversation we're having as we're walking through Ephesians where <clears throat> one guy, um, he was, he and I are about the same age. He's the oldest guy there. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember his name. But any, anyway, he, um, he shot up his hand and said, well, what about Genesis 3.16? And I knew exactly what the text was. He said, what about Genesis 3.16 where it says, your husband, your husband will rule over you, God speaking to Eve. And I said, good question, let's look at it. So please turn to Genesis 3.16. And then I raised uh, this question. I said, okay, is this descriptive, or, or sorry, is this prescriptive of what God wants, or is this descriptive 
of what sin has caused and God is going to undo. I mean, hear the difference between the two? Well, I tell you, the conversation got really lively then. And uh, we were having a lot of class participation. I thought it was going to be a class explosion for a few minutes there. Uh, Well, finally, this one woman stood up. And and a lot of of people had this or that to say. But this one woman stood up. It turns out, sorry, the image is poor there. But this woman is, was actually not a Kenyan. She was a refugee from Congo. And, and by the way, these Kenyans were amazing. They, like one church we were in, I think I, I can't remember if I mentioned this in the past, but a church of 200 people welcomed 600 refugees into their community from Congo where there was civil war going on and helped them find jobs and schooling and a place to live. And it's just, it was just an amazing thing to see uh, all that God was doing there. But anyway, she was one of the refugees, and she, she stood up, and there was just a kind of an uncanny authority in what she said. The gist of it was, the Spirit of God in Jesus is doing a new thing, raising up women as well as men, kind of like Joel says, as Peter quotes him in, in Acts 2. Uh, women, not just men, will, will prophesy, and so on. And, and the room was very quiet. I, I, I think everyone knew, okay, she's really speaking the truth now. And, and so anyway, it was just a, a cool moment where um, I, I think people were really seeing, you know, this, this uh, part of the gospel. Uh, well, afterwards, um, I, I went up to uh, my friend and I said, hey, brother, I realize we may interpret the Bible differently. But I just, are we okay in our relationship? And he just gave me this big grin. He said, oh, I agree with you. I just was trying to stir things up. <laughs> it, was, it was good. It was a great, it was a wonderful time over there. Well, you know, I am so thankful that my daughters and I live in a culture where um, we are treated as persons and not as property. But we need to keep in mind the callings of Jesus um, that God had really made very clear in, um, in, in, in Jesus' words that we, and we need to teach our kids, we need to teach our grandkids um, the implications of the good news. And this is that girls and women do not have to be like men, but they never, ever have to be less than men. And we men. We boys. Uh, it's just really important. I've tried to remind myself of this and teach it to my son. Uh, it's just so important we see females not as objects uh, that we use or, or disregard them, exclude them, um, but, to, but to see them as, as um, fellow creatures of God made in his image and partners, if they're believers, partners in the gospel and, and, and just open doors as God would lead to um, let that their gifts be used, including, I would say, including leadership within Christ's body. But we also have this need to follow Jesus into the awful reality that there is a lot of abuse in, in, our, in our world, in our country, in our, in our very city of women being manipulated, abused, and trafficked. And to really to have that awareness, it, we're not isolated from that. Um, we've, we've known quite, you know, quite through, through other ministry partners um, that this is going on even right here in Denver. 
Yeah, you look at this genealogy in Matthew 1 and you see, you see human sin there. You see the women who engaged in prostitution, adultery, and so on. And thank, thank God that, that their stories anticipate what Jesus does. He forgives. He forgives anyone and everyone for anything. Uh, but of course, also in the stories in that genealogy, you have the sins of men, don't you? Uh, you, you see the carrying on of Genesis 3.15, that men do rule over women in, in all kinds of ways that are destructive, that are controlling, that are damaging. Um, yeah, I've been a pastor for a long time, and, and far more than I care to, to, that I wish were the case, uh, I've been alongside victims of abuse. And, uh, you know, some boys, some men, but, but mostly, mostly girls, mostly women, and um, it, it, it's just like Darlene said, it's just all too prevalent. Uh, we, we have a, a niece in Illinois who's uh, started a ministry for uh, girls in sex trafficking. And the need's huge. And they, they have kind of a safe house where they, they bring in these women. And so many have come to Christ, and, but they, they kind of get some safety and, and get some restoration. and, and uh, kind of find God's new callings into this or that. And it's just a remarkable thing to see the redemptive work. But uh, what's, what's especially sad is when you see even some people almost in the name of Christ, I could tell you a story too about that, but we don't have time. We're almost in the name of Christ. They, some men uh, exert power over women, somehow saying this is, this is the way, it's, this is the order for the family. And I've just had to say, no, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll have your influence. There's leadership in the family, but that's not control, and it's certainly not any kind of abuse. And so I just say to myself and to all of my fellow men especially, yeah, do we have the guts just to admit where we cross the lines one way or another? And, and are we willing to, with fellow men, confront somebody where we see them doing it? You know, doing it out of love, but doing it firmly to uh, protect and to encourage uh, women. And I would just say to all of us that there are many gifted people who are equipped and trained to come alongside these survivors. Steve mentioned our niece, but there are several ministries here in the Denver area that where if you know that they're of someone that is a survivor of abuse and you want to point them to ministries, I mean, talk to, talk to us, uh, we can point you to those um, really strong ministries here in the Denver area. Yeah. So here's, here's the message today turned into a question. Will we follow Jesus in his new creation that would include this, pulling down towers of power of men over women, putting up bridges of restoration for women as God's image bearers and partners? And then we'll just close with this. Will we follow Jesus into the ways he wants to bring healing into broken family stories where it hasn't all been well. And, and so we want to give you two, two examples of this. And we're going to start with uh, the two examples. We're going to show a short video from our member here, Kevin Campbell. He did a, he did a video for me uh, a month or two ago, and we're going to eventually get you the whole video, but there's one segment that has to do with Kevin and his mother. So could we show that video? Um, I want to talk about my, uh, my mother. Um, 
So <clears throat> I had tried witnessing to her um, many times um, that her and my mom, my, her, my mom and dad had this, had a tragedy. Our, my sister actually drowned um, when she was 10 years old before I was born. And um, people that were, that were there said that she was not saved because she was not um, baptized with water. And so whenever I would witness to my mom, that's what she would um, bring up to me. And I would show her in the Bible, that's not true. I would, I would bring up to her the, the thief on the cross, you know, and he was not baptized with water. So, um, but she was never willing to make that decision. So years later, she's on life support. Um, we believe that this is the this is the end for her. Um, so I had to travel to Missouri, and I knew God is having me go back, and I am going to I'm going to witness to my mom again, and hopefully lead her to Christ. So I went back, and you know she's on life support. You know she can't speak back to me, but um, we 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 talked about you know the change that that I had went through once I accepted. God into my heart and then I let her in the prayer and I just had her just squeeze my hand you know once for yes twice for no you know in response to to lead her, her in the prayer to Christ and and that that's how how that happened and then I mean she lives quite a she she went she got off life support which they said never happens that's a miracle from God and and it was it was it was probably eight months later before she you know eventually passed. Isn't that a great example of uh, of, of God bringing healing into uh, families? And I'll give you a sneak. My sneak preview is that uh, maybe on Father's Day we'll show how Kevin led his dad to Christ in a similar way, and 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 late in life, but nevertheless healing was coming. Darlene has some examples of Christ bringing healing into families. Yeah, I was, um, my family of origin, my birth family was my mother and my father, and I had a bro brother that was three years younger than I. When I was seven years old, on a Sunday afternoon, um, my mother and my brother and I were got in the car with my grandparents, my dad's parents. My dad had been out of town on a business trip really rare for him to, to be gone like that, but my grandfather loved these Sunday afternoon drives, and so we were headed up to Longmont, and um, on the way home, um, we were in the car, and I remember hearing my brother laughing in the back seat with my grandma, and I was sitting in the front seat with my, my mom, and my grandpa was driving, and I had my hand over the, the back of the, the, you know, the four seat belts, you know, we, we kind of were roaming around, and um, found out later, what had happened is because um, all of a sudden there was just a horrible crash and um, a drunk driver had crossed over on a hill in Longmont and hit us head on really, really fast. And um, my mother went through the windshield and my, my grandfather was severely injured and I, what kept me from, kept me safe from that was my arm hanging over the seat of the car and my, my collarbone was broken, but that was it. Um, 
that we were all taken to the hospital where that night my mom died and a few hours later my grandmother died. So it was my, my grandfather and my brother and I. So I remember um, my dad coming to tell me the next day, he'd flown back, and that, um, that I needed to be a good soldier. And um, I just remember thinking, well, Jesus, we had such great family vacations, I can't, what's that gonna be like with, without mommy? So, um, but God was just amazing in that he gave us, um, he brought into our life uh, um, a mom, for, a new wife for my dad. And it, um, she had two daughters, so all we, they were married. Um, all of a sudden, we were a family of six, and I had two older daughter, uh, sisters. And, um, you know, both my parents were believers. But for those of you that have any knowledge or history, there could be some of you here that are part of a blended family. Blended families are not easy, even, even when all are concerned are trying to follow Jesus. And my mother, um, my stepmother, who just was my mom, I, mean, I never thought of her as my stepmom. There was adoptions. Right? There was adoptions. We cross-adopted. Uh, my dad adopted the girls. She adopted my brother and I. Um, so it was, it was really, a, you know, a good family in a lot of levels, you'd see it. But my mom had been um, abandoned and really rejected by her first husband when um, her girls were just one and a half and an infant. And that really had taken a toll on her, um, just that, that rejection and really not very much trust of men. I think she really truly loved my dad, but um, she didn't trust men. And unfortunately, she did take that out of my brother. And I could see that even growing up, or my mom and I, I'd say we had a pretty good relationship. And I tried to speak into it as, as I could, age appropriate, um, really tried to be there for my brother. Um, but there was a lot of brokenness in our family. And so that, just as an adult, really looking back on that and feeling how unfair that had been, especially to my brother. I remember um, shortly after Steve became pastor, we were, I was sitting in the living room in the parsonage all by myself, and I just had this time of healing prayer where I could just walk through those times with Jesus and bring each one of those things to him. The accident, my mom dying, the remarriage, the conflict in the marriage. Um, my dad had always, I never felt, uh, not loved by him. He, he's such a loving person and really exemplified that, but he had a temper, and so that uh, it kind of was a, an issue. So I remember just bringing all that to Jesus and asking for healing. But I tell you this because a few, actually it was just not that many years ago, probably about seven, eight years ago, that um, I woke up in the middle of the night and I just had this really impression that Jesus was asking me to come to him in prayer. And I heard him pretty much saying, not audibly, but darling, you forgave your dad and your mom for their arguments, for the stress they put on the family as an adult. I want you to go back now as a child and, and speak to that and say, be able to, as a child, forgive them. Um, so much of that was really out of their control, out of their brokenness, but it really did impact our whole family. And there was such a freeing time to, to be able to do that, to just be able to say, Lord Jesus, help me to forgive, and to be able to say, I do. 
And I just say that because the story still isn't done. When my mom died a little over a year ago, um, in a conversation with my brother, he's still dealing with stuff. And so I just continue to bring him in prayer to Jesus. And, I'm and I know that he will be faithful to, to keep working in his life, even at this, at this age that we are. This is what Jesus does. We humans have really made a mess of this world. But Jesus prevails as we let him. And so as we, as we close now with some prayer, I invite you, to, we'll just keep this slide up on the screen for a minute and <clears throat> there might be something that's relevant for you there in particular. Um, it, it, it might be especially as a man that, that you need to acknowledge to God ways that maybe you haven't been all that you could be, should be relative to various women in your life. Um, could be as a, as, as a woman, you um, need to uh, not have pressure on yourself, but, but even kind of accept you know, the, the, the full love and whatever callings God has in your life. And, and it could be we have a calling to just be sort of a, sort of a bridge of Jesus, if you will, to, to various people, and, and including women, who might uh, need various forms of healing and restoration. And then, kind of like Darlene said, maybe there's just points deeply in your life where you'd invite him to step in in, in some kind of a fresh way, where there's the need for for him to bring um, a spirit of forgiveness and, and, and some kind of healing and, and fresh hope. Uh, but just, just take a moment. And of course, you may need to take this home with you, of course, and, and have an ongoing conversation with him. But uh, just right now, at least ask him, Lord, where, where would you be taking me today in this whole dimension of your gospel that, that includes families and includes uh, these relationships between men and women and with moms. Let's pray. Father, once again, we, we thank you today for mothers, for families. We thank you for women as fellow image bearers with us men. We thank you, Lord, for what we see in Scripture of the ways that you, you stepped into the brokenness, the disordering, and, and begin to make a difference in so many lives, in, including those of us right here, right now. I do ask that uh, you'd open our eyes and hearts to, to see and to receive and to embrace all that uh, needs to be done, what you want to continue uh, in our lives. And uh, we, we praise you for this good news of uh, reconciliation, of restoration that gives hope, that sparks love in this uh, troubled world. And these things we pray in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
If we love him, it's because he first loved us, first and always and fully. Hey, let's stand together. Well, if you want to stay seated, that's fine as well. But uh, either way, as we go on our way, may you know the blessing, the presence, uh, the joy of our Lord. And you women, grab a gift on your way out. God bless you all.